and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. This is the weekend's preview looking ahead to the racing at Newbury on Friday and Saturday and Ferry House on Sunday. I'm joined today by Andy Holding and Rory Delaghi and 888 Sport ambassador Barry Geraghty. Stay tuned to hear which Cheltenham Festival winner Andy thinks could uh, defeat Paisley Park on Friday. I don't think Paisley Park's as quick as he was. And if it is quite steadily run, I think she'll probably just have too much speed for this lot. Hear Barry Garrity's thoughts on his old friend Deffy de Sol after last weekend's performance. He ran well for a long way. Um, I would have expected him to get tired because he generally would need his first run. You know, I, I, I'd still hold plenty of faith in him. But... And hear which 33 to one shot both Rory and Andy fancy in the big one at Newbury on Saturday. He's he's definitely overpriced at 33. He's not a, he's not a particularly sexy horse. He's been there before, and we know what his record's about. You often find horses like that from a stable like that often do run above their odds. It's delighted to be joined by two stalwarts of the Odds Checker betting show, Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding, and we've got Rory Delaghi joining us as well. Normally, I'd come to you both for a bit of chat about, you know, the, the recent recent racing, how we've been doing, a few pleasantries, but here we've got about 12 races to preview in about an hour, so I think we're going to get straight into it, and because we're going to look through a few races on the card on Friday at Newbury, then into Saturday, obviously focusing on the uh, Labricks Trophy on Saturday as well, then over to Ferry House on Sunday for a couple of races there so we're going to get straight into the action now before we do so just going to point uh, the listeners and viewers in the direction of the odds checker app where you can get the very best prices which we'll be talking about today bookie offers um all place terms you can see there as well free bets and andy's tips on the morning of racing every day straight to the app so make sure you check that out we've plucked out a few races on friday this is going out uh, on thursday evening so it will date quite quickly um so if you you know if you're listening to this on friday afternoon friday evening you want to get to saturday's racing it should be coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes so so feel free to scrub along and find it now Uh, but we'll start with the 1240 uh, over two and a half miles, the novice chase, the grade two. And Miller's Bank is the two to one favourite in a four horse field. A pretty uh, trappy race this with Nasser Lamin at 11 to four, T Clipper 130, and Pick Dohi 7 to two best price um, with 888 Sport. That is standout, uh, the sponsors of the pods. Uh, Rory, four on a field here, tight field, all pretty competitive. Can you spot any value? I'm not sure I can spot value. I mean, the horse I hoped would be value here was Miller's Bank. Um, just looking at the time form ratings, he'd actually be uh, joint bottom. And I thought I might get a price about him because Alex Hill's sli- slightly less fashionable trainer than uh, than the likes of uh, Nichols and, and uh, Gary Moore. Um, but um, he's he's been well found in the market. Now. He, he's the one I, I prefer here. But as you said, it is a trappy contest. T-Clipper arguably just about the best of these, but he's given weight away to the other three. Um, which might be a tough task for him. Uh, Miller's Bank improved um, markedly over hurdles last season. Um, he was a really impressive winner on similar ground, a good ground here um, in uh, the early March meeting at Newbury. He won a, a very competitive looking handicap by 10 lengths, um, looking full value for that as well. And no way flattered by the way that race was run. And he showed that was um, that, that improvement was fully justified by finishing third in the entry hurdle on his next start. Again, traveling really strongly through that. Um, he went off an 81 shot that day, but um, um, it, it looked like he was perfectly at home in that sort of company. And although he he's probably achieved less than any of these um, on his chase debut, he was left alone um, at the second last at Huntington. If you just watch the tail end of that race, he wouldn't be enormously impressed. Just had to correct himself at the second last fence where his, his only rival fell 
um, and then he um, he got the last wrong. Um, but if you watch the whole race, his jumping was really good in the early stages of that race. He looked a natural over fences, and it's one of those scenarios where you you know you pretty much got your race won. He had, he had his uh, main rival uh, hard off the bridle, turning for home, and he just had to get over the last two fences, and that's what Harry Bannister did. It didn't look terribly pretty um, in the straight, but as I said, taken overall, his jumping was really good. And the form that he showed over hurdles last season shows that, you know, he, he should be considered to be in the sort of top rank of potential novice chasers this year. So I thought he was the one to beat here. Unfortunately, the market agrees with that. So whether there's any value in him at two to one, I don't know, because it's a pretty warm contest, as you expect of a grade two at Newbury. Mm. And any thoughts? Yeah, it's funny because um, I, I, w- I was quite impressed with him when he, when he won at um, Huntington, like, like Rory. But um the, the odd thing about it is he's actually done the slowest time of, the, of these four. <laughs> so I think I think his price is 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 wrong in, in many in many respects. I think Rory's right to kind of like point out if he would have been a five, six to one chance, he might have had half a look at him. But a two to one, um I'd say that's almost virgin on madness to take two to one about him. Um because the other three have basically just run faster times. They've been in better races, so they probably that's probably why. They mean to say that Miller's Bank can't run a quick time. Um once he's in this environment, I'm sure he will. But as it stands at the moment, what they've done, T Clipper sets the best standard for me. Um, his Chepstow win, um, I think, he's, uh, without a shadow of a doubt the best, one of the better ones we've seen on 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 this side of the RSC so far. They went a real good clip for Dalio Vallis, took them along at a strong pace, and the fact that Captain Tomcat as well was absolutely like out on his feet, back in fourth, and has subsequently gone on to win. Um, and Flora and Paul Nichols hot pot suggests that. Chepstow run is as good as what we thought. The Lacey horse are in good form. And I love this why this horse jumped at Chepstow. He was really good when he needed to be. He needed to be pinpoint accurate that day to keep up with Fidalia Vallis, who went a proper gallop and was obviously trained for the minute for that race, like a lot of Nichols horses are at that meeting. Um, and he should get the run of the race today because, or oh, sorry, tomorrow, because Pic Dore um, uh, is bound to make the running as he did at Fosslas and set the, you know, set the, the race alight from an early stage. So, uh, yeah, he, he probably did for me the prices, and he, he's gone out to a, a tempting looking 100 to 30 as we uh, as we speak. Mm. Yeah, T Clipper 100 to 30 there, the one for Andy Miller's Bank. Uh, maybe the value gone, but Rory's likely winner, the one to beat at two to one. We'll move on then to the 115, which is the maiden hurdle over two miles, and John Bond, one of the big talking horses. <laughs> If the National Hunt season four to seven best price, a short tour was one to three elsewhere. Um, proper signs there of where uh, are using odds checker can can really uh, pay. Uh, good risk at all for Sam Thomas five to two, beaten three on favourite last time. Uh, Boom Born thirteen to two, third favourite. Charlie's Glance sixteen to one, fifty to one. Jack's a legend. Darling Run sixty six is hundred to one and two hundred to one. Eight run, uh, Andy with four horses fifty to one or bigger. Got to be some value here, surely. Uh, yeah, I, I was almost hoping we we would be covering this race because uh, this is one <laughs> of the races I'm going to be um, using as on my odds checker column tomorrow. Um, so if this goes out early, that's going to kind of spoil the price, um, particularly as we have got the dead eight runners as well. Mm. Um, the front two in the market, John Bond did it workman like rather than spectacular uh, when he won here at Newbury in his bumper. Uh, last season and, and clearly he's, he's a good horse and, and connections think so as well but he is very much overhyped or going to be overhyped here uh, i don't think actually what he did in that race is anywhere near the level of a what could be considered a two to five one to three shot um and and, and you add into the fact that he's got to jump and j- jump cleanly as well against some fair horses um you know you, 
it's not the kind of horse I want to be back in. Good risk at all, talking about jumping. It jumped as if he was blindfolded first time at a Chepstow. Goodness me. Um, he would have gone straight back onto the schooling grounds, I think, the day after. Very much like a golfer who probably shot an 80 on a tour tour event. and <laughs> Straight to the range. Straight straight to the range, yeah. Um, and, and the time figure, that Chepstow race, was absolutely appalling. I mean, he, he jumped badly at a, at a slow slow pace. So, uh, yeah, that leads me on to Boomborn, uh, who I thought, Ran a really eye-catching race behind two horses who I think would probably almost win this race. It's, it, it was quite funny that um, actually um, Nicky Henderson had a horse in that race that got beat, um, the one that Boom Boom finished third in, uh, that was very highly regarded, um, Broomfield Berg. Now, which one's mm-hmm. the better of the two? You'd have to ask Nicky Henderson Connections because they're both owned by J.B. McManus. But Silent Revolution, who won that day, set a good gallop and... and um, um, maintained it all the way to the line, and like I said, the time figure is pretty good for a, for a small field race. But he's got the form around Newbury. He travelled really well into it. He just got done by two better horses, but he's almost for certain to finish in the first three here t- tomorrow. Um, and you only need the favourite to come unstuck, not live up to expectations. Good risk at all to jump badly again, and and you could get the jack up here. Um, so yeah, just keep my fingers crossed that all eight runners go to post. Yeah, I think luckily, Andy, we know that you are powerful with your with your columns and, and your and your tips but with the might of, of jp mcmanus and john bond at the top brother brother to duvan hopefully that no stays firm and... exactly. <laughs> <laughs> rory yeah I largely agree with that although i'm going to have a different selection in the race um you know uh, the favorite john bond has, has made lots of headlines he's got an absolute fortune he's a he's a brother to duvan um the interesting thing is the dam has only produced um one one winner over hurdles uh, to date, uh, or indeed one runner over jumps to date, which is remarkable given that it's you know seven or eight years since um, since Duvan uh, first came out. So um, uh, I suspect that he's quite delicate, and Duvan turned out to be quite delicate himself. Um, and although he was reasonably impressive winning his bumper here, um, he didn't he didn't end up beating an awful lot um, of those that he beat. Um, the only one that's won since was was the horse that was pulled up. One one of them pulled up with a slip saddle. And that one next time out. Um, his point to point win, again, looked reasonably impressive on paper, but he didn't beat anything of any any great note, most of those of it. I think there's been only one point to point winner subsequently come out of that race over a year ago, and that came in a week, um, older horse maiden. So he's been impressive, but he hasn't been asked a bit to race against anything. Um, and I thought he, you know, he, he looks bound to be over bet. It's interesting that one firm has taken a stance on him, um, but I thought he ends up being pretty short here. And I liked. Um, I, I absolutely um, respect the chances of Boomborn, who's um, who's got a solid each way chance. But I thought the interesting horse in this race at a, at a big price was Charlie's Glance. Now Charlie's Glance won a better bumper here around the same time of the year um, that that, um, that John Bond won, and he won it in more impressive style as well. Um, he was he was pretty green on his debut, um, and he ended up um, uh, winning his bumper. Um, by five and a half lengths, um, and that was ended up looking a slightly better race than the one that um, the John Bond won, in my view. He then went to entry um, where his his seven pound claimer couldn't claim in the Grade Two bumper there, and he ran just respectably in midfield. But that race has thrown up. I, I think there've been eleven runners from that Grade Two bumper at entry who made who, who then went to run over hurdles on their next start. Eight of those won. 
So it's an absolutely red hot race in terms of, of um, future winners over jumps. Charlie's glance probably find that coming too early for him. Uh, James Martin, who rides him again, is able to claim his seven pounds in this race. And given this horse was able to win in, a, in pretty much identical conditions here last year on his debut, also very much not a bumper horse on pedigree, bred to be a hurdler and a chaser down the line, as all Andy Martins are essentially. And because he's trained by Andy Martin, he's going to be largely ignored in the betting. Um, his horse is, he, he has a small string, he's just a, um, he trains under permit, um, and his horses tend to be, actually, no, he doesn't train under, he, he's, um, I saw he's got a racing club going, so he must, he must have got a, um, a full license now. But um, Charlie's glance, as I said, on that, on that bumper debut, he's as good a horse as John Pond. And that's you don't make absolute judgments based on one run. Um, but because he's come from he's from a much less fashionable stable, he ends up being a very big price here. And so he's he's sort of sixteen to one and bigger. Um mm. and that would very much appeal to me. The the day like, I can add some flesh into the bones with, with Rory's pick there. Um the day when he won, I was quite taken aback by his time figure when he when he won that bump. But he beat our jester, didn't he, Rory? And he did, just our jest is a, a right man mountain of a horse that Won very easily at Ascot the other day. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, a decent animal for Huey Morrison. Um, and, he, and he did such a good number that I actually tipped him the day when he ran at Aintree. I think he was 40 to 1, 33 to 1 shot. And I went for a bit of a touch with him in that Aintree race. And I was actually a little bit disappointed with him, you know, Rory, that that he could only finish ninth. I was actually expecting him to finish in the first four or five. Um, so, yeah, I, I can certainly see that angle in, in with him, 16 to 1. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, going back to that bumper, the Silent Revolution you've yeah. mentioned already was third in that bumper, having had the run of the race from the front. So it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And uh, in, G- the, the G- given the shape of the race, you can probably bat them bat them both each way at oh, yeah. Yeah. to one. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, like I say, that, that good risk at all has got to do a lot better than he did at um, Chepstow. Um, I mean, his bump performs good. But yeah, it's a, it's a, you look at it, you think, oh, Skim across it straight away, don't you? It's not that much of an appealing mm-hmm. betting but he's, he's actually quite a good race. Yeah, interesting. John Bond on debut, I remember, uh, drifted all day as well, which for connections, um, never a particularly promising sign. I think it was two one out to eleven to eight. Ended up uh, industry SP of five to six, but I think it was a fair bit bigger on the on the exchange. So um, anyway, John Bond is the four to seven favourite. Good risk at all. Currently five to two. Are we uh, are we suggesting as well that uh, JP Moranis is a bit of a John Bond John Bond Javi fan? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think he named him. In fairness. Oh, didn't know. He's not. He's not singing. Um, living on a prayer in, in, in his <laughs> bath. He might in, be. In, in his bath or in his shower in the morning. Is he? <laughs> that's uh, Andy. That's a, that's a different podcast, I think. On then to the one fifty, which is the uh, novice handicap chase over two miles, and Boot Hill is the seven to four favourite ahead of Mister Coffee at four to one. Fifty ball nine to two. Solo nine to two. 12 to 1, Long Press, uh, Cascova 28, not available 33 to 1. Rory, uh, I know you like one in here. Uh, which is it? Yeah, listen, Boot Hill's going to be well supported here, and, and he's potentially a very exciting um, performer, but he's still pretty raw. Um, he's got no form away from softish grind, and he's n- never been left handed. So I think he's got a little bit to prove on paper here for a horse he's put in short. Uh, for all, he's got lots of potential. Um, I like 50 ball in the conditions. Um, he is. Um, uh, he was second in the Betfair Hurdle here last season off a mark of 131. That's red hot form. I really like Soaring Glory to, to go places this year, and, and he's going to be a hot, hot favourite um, on the Saturday. We'll move on to him shortly. Um, he, um, I can forgive him his run in the um, in the County Hurdle after that. That's that's easily brushed aside. And I thought he ran a cracker at Sandown in his Chase debut in a race where I really liked the runner up. Um, 
the race the race went um, to Manila Trump, who's been on he's won seven on the trot. He's won again since that. I liked Mahler's promise and that's uh, off his weight on the day. And I was against 50 ball on the basis that I didn't think he would stay two and a half miles. And he, he then proved that exact exact point by not staying the two and a half miles. But he traveled best of all um, and he jumped really well and he just didn't get home from the last fence. Um, Mahler's promise rallied past him to get second. I mean, Ella Trump um, was impressive. And as I said, he's he's looked um uh, an absolute star this season for Donald McCain. So I thought 50 ball off the uh, off the same mark again, uh, but back on goodish ground and, and back at two miles at a track he's proven at looked really, really solid. Um, so, I, you know, I think Boothill helps make the market here. I mean, I'm prepared to see Boothill win this by 10 lengths and look an absolute superstar, which is possible. But I think 50 ball's got everything in his favour. He's proven he can jump. Um, and the, the return to the the track, the trip, and on the ground are big positives for him. 50 ball, 9-2 to two there, the one for Rory. Andy? Yeah, it's a race I'd probably side sidestep. Um, I've got a healthy respect for 50 ball. Um, I, I put him up in the, in the county hurdle last year, and again, I was a bit disappointed with him because he, he'd run so well in the uh, the old um, Togol Trophy, didn't he, um, uh, at mm. the big Newbury meeting in in February, forgive me, I, I can never remember these names nowadays of these races. Um, and he did run really well at Sandown in, in a good time figure race. Uh, but he's up against Boo Hill, who also caught the RBI on Silver Glory. And everyone could see him that day. He was probably one of the big eye catchers on that Saturday um, at Ascot. Um, and this has been the race nominated for him ever since. I think it's quite significant that Harry Fry's prepared to roll the dice with him at this early stage and, and running straight offensive. And I don't think he's got his hurdling career quite finished yet. I think he he will have unfinished unfinished business in that department if he doesn't make the grade have offences. Um, but he's a beautiful, gorgeous looking horse, Bootyell. He 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 is um, a horse with plenty of uh, presence about him. So if he does take defences, I think he's probably the right favourite. But everyone seems to know that this has been the plan. I think it was talked up, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago that this was going to be the plan after one of those galloping mornings. Um, and, and he has been priced up kind of accordingly. There's no real secrets in his price. Whereas 4 to 150 ball, perfectly respectable uh, value alternative against him. 9 to 2. 9 to don't 2. Sorry, yeah. Don't yeah, take yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's 4 to 1 across the board, but one firm still showing 9 to yeah, 2. So 9 to I'll 2. probably be better off to it, giving it a, a general um, idea of what price is. <laughs> and it's odd check. You get the best price. True. That's why, yeah, that's why you yeah. should use us. <laughs> Uh, by the time this we, goes out, it's more than likely going to be four to one. <laughs> Especially when Rory's done with it. Uh, on yeah, to the, exactly. the three o'clock, we're going to head to this, the last race we're going to be covering at Newbury. It's the uh, long distance hurdle. Um, Paisley Park is the nine to four favourite ahead of Indefatigable at seven to two. Mrs. Milner's four to one. Liz Nagar Oscar, six to one. Thomas Darby, seven to one. On the blind side, 12 to one. Rory, back to you. Not a, not a particularly um, easy betting race, but um, it depends on, on which view you take on Paisley Park. Um, a lot of people were very disappointed with him at Weatherby, um, but the race wasn't run to suit him that day. It was very much run to suit Indefatigable. I was with her that day. I, I thought it, the race potentially wouldn't test stamina, and that's the way it, it, it panned out. It was rather slowly run. Um, Indefatigable was kept wide on the track by Daryl Jacob. Thought a very good ride by him uh, doing that. And then she struck for home uh, first off the bend, got first run on Proschema. Both of them um, fully effective at two and a half miles. And I think the speed horses ended up dominating that day. So uh, 
in these circumstances, Paisley Park, given that he was kept towards the inside on the worst of the ground, and he was naturally outpaced um, when the when the pace quickened up um, in the straight, I thought he was better than that better result. Um, and I think you can you can forgive him that. The only downside with him is that he has now he's thrown in a couple of poor performances in the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, his run in the in the stairs hurdle was disappointing. Sorry, in the in the Liverpool stairs hurdle was disappointing, given that he shaped well at um, at Cheltenham. Um, so there the might be the possibility that he's he can run a poor race just because he doesn't fancy it these days, uh, and that may be explained by the putting cheek pieces on him. For me, I think you should either go with a horse of his age who's been around. I think you either go straight to blinkers or not at all. Um, but maybe the cheek pieces will help him. Essentially, what he wants is a strongly run race. And I could see him bouncing back. I'm not sure he's a betting proposition, though, because he is fundamentally just on the slide, isn't he? He's not quite as good mm. as he was. And backing horses who who are regressive, even if it's just gradually, it, it's it's hard to get that right from a punting point of view. I thought um, at the prices, slightly more appealing was Listen to Gar Oscar. I thought he, he ran an eye-catching race at entry over two and a half miles in his return um, behind Brewing Up a Storm. Um, he was going on really nicely at the finish without being knocked about by Adam Wedge that day. He will appreciate the return to three miles. Um, and obviously, you know, he's another horse. He's, he's won the stairs hurdle in the past. Uh, he wasn't at his best uh, last season, having taken a bit of an X-rated fall at Cheltenham. But he, he showed that he's he's got his old, all his old abilities intact there at, at entry. Um, he will benefit from the step back up to three miles. So granted a strongly run race. Um, he's probably got slightly more chance than the market would suggest at this stage, but not the easiest betting race. I wouldn't be going mad on that. Not the easiest betting race, but positive words there for Lisna Garoska at six to one. Andy, any views? Always views. Always, yeah. Especially in a race like this, um, I, I do. I do quite like winning this. I've, I've already backed it in, in midweek, um, and I've, I've taken a view that Mrs. Milner is hugely underestimated or wasn't underestimated probably now the market has adjusted itself what price are you on at oh i couldn't say it just sounds like a huge after time um <laughs> but um she's only rated 144 but i think she's as i said better than that she's actually supposed to finish last looking at official ratings but um don't let that fool you because the day when she won the per attempts final um it gives a sort of speed uh, buffs a good chance to line up the stays hurdle and the, and the, and the per attempts final side by side on a, on a split screen and and, and analyse the two races accordingly. And it was interesting to see how both of those two races unfolded. The stays hurdle was very much run a, a, a more even better gallop early on, and then the back end of that per attempts final when the taps were turned on meant that Mrs. Milner made up all the lost ground and by the time they hit the line was actually um, upsides um, the winner of the, of the stairs hurdle. And considering Paisley Park was well beaten in behind, that obviously is a, is a direct feather in the cap to Mrs. Milner just based on pure sectionals. Um, the key to Mrs. Milner, she loves fast ground. She She's not like a, a robust national hunt also going to slog her way through heavy. She'll handle heavy, but she's much better on good, good, good ground. She's a proper daisy cutter. And this ground is actually probably music to Paul Nolan's ears because he probably couldn't imagine in his wildest dreams he was going to bring this horse over for a grade two in November and finding the ground's going to be good ground. Mm. Um, she's had a spin as well, 47 days ago. I think I'm just a blow away to cobwebs. It wouldn't normally be in Paul Nolan's, I, you know, 
idea to, to run a horse in, in October, uh, who's obviously going to be Cheltenham Festival band later on in the season. But I think he's probably had this race on target, on, on, his, on his radar for a long, long time. Uh, and if it is quite steadily run, I think she'll probably just have too much speed for this lot. I don't think Paisley Park's as quick as he was. Uh, and small field tactical race, which this is likely to be... I don't think I, can you see a front running this Roy? I, I don't know what's going to make the running here. I, well, I, I thought I thought on the blind side was the likeliest front runner. He he has at least done that before. Yeah. Um, but he's not an, he's not an out and out front runner by any chance. He made the running in the Relkeel Hurdle when they switched out to Kempton um, last season. So he's the likeliest on paper to do that. But it's um it's up in the air really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, with, with that in mind, yeah, that that'll be great for Mrs Milner. But all in all, if they go a, a reasonable gallop without going, you know, a steady gallop without going mad. I just think she'll do him for, for for a turn of foot because her back-end work in that per attempts final has to be reviewed again. You have to go back and watch how quickly mm. she was travelling. She got absolutely wiped out as well at the top end. Um, if you go back and watch the video, she was like mid-division travelling. All of a sudden, she got shuffled back when a couple of horses bounced off the rail and she was ended up being towards the rear. To make that amount of ground up she did in that short space of time and then wing going away, i say it was just a phenomenal effort. Uh, and I think she's way, way better than 144. And she'll prove that on Friday. Four to one, best price. Again, only one firm, four to one, Andy. Everyone else, seven to two. We'll give you the four to one, though. You tried to take the good price away from Rory earlier, but we're going to give you that four to one here. <laughs> Got to be consistent, like referees. Um, Rory, did I interrupt you there? Anything else? No, I, like, I was just going to say, we're talking about uh, hard luck stories off air. I've, I've gone max bet on Mrs. Milner three times. Um, having been impressed by her maiden hurdle win. I've backed her in handicaps of 116, 115 and 122. And she's, been, she's managed to, to, to get beaten every time. Uh, unplaced twice about her each way as well. So, yeah, I can't win with Mrs Milner. Were you, were you on at Cheltenham? I wasn't on at Cheltenham, no. That was I, I was on, that, I was on uh, her in the November meeting at Cheltenham, actually, in fairness, um, when she was just touched off. Anyway, Mrs Milner, 4-1 to one as it stands, the one for Andy today. Um on then we'll move to, I was going to make a joke there about Housewives Nandy, but I think we'll move on to um, the Newbury Saturday. And we have 12, we're going to skip the the um, Mayor's Novice, the 12.10, and go straight to the 12.40, uh, which is the uh, John Frankham Novice Chase. Four run here, and Andy, I'm going to come to you because one of them is a horse you're very keen on. <laughs> we spoke to you about Mr. Incredible before his run a couple of weeks ago, um, and I don't think we saw anything there to, to dissuade you. But Mr. Incredible and Ahoy Senor are both 13 to 8 joint favourites ahead of Flash Colon at 5 to 1 and Ashtown Lad at 11 to 2. But Mr. Incredible or Mr. Incredible? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in danger of being one of those balls that you'd sit next to on a plane. Um, <laughs> and they talk about like insurance for, for about an hour. Um, and you end up sort of like Steve Martin used to say, re- reading the vomit bag just as an alternative. Um, with this Mr. Incredible, yeah, for, for anyone who's, who's tuned into these podcasts, you must be sick to the death of me talking about this horse. Um, it's like, tell me something new. Um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a horse that... I'm sure. I'm sure half of them have, have profited from you talking about him so well, we far. Might, so we might, uh, we, it'll be okay. We might. We might. We might get a few more listeners to this podcast. So for their benefit, um, yeah. yeah he, he's just a very good horse. This, this fella. Um, I had a feeling he might be. I've been seen him first time up against Galio de Mesnil in that really good main herd, which I flagged up last season. And then he, he floored a, a horse of uh, Willie Mullins' called Glenn's Vantrim, which the whole of Ireland seemed to back um, at Navan on his on his last start. 
last season, and, and he picked her up quite quite readily in the style of a of a proper horse. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to follow this fellow over Cliff. Um, I didn't know what he would do at the start of the season, um, whether he'd go chasing or stay over hurdles. I, I, I didn't have a clue, but he was a horse I I put up in my five uh, um, among the five of, of, of the horses to follow, and this one probably was my five star nap amongst them. Uh, and then he went. He, he went over fences first time out, and he did something extraordinary that day. I thought it was an odd ride by Rachel. I was I was expecting him mm. to her to bounce him out and have him in the first two or three and popping away and like they do in Ireland when the cream comes to the top very early and they begin his chase and novice hurdles. But he dropped to, he dropped him out about twenty lengths behind the speed. I was thinking this horse is never going to win from there, never going to win from there. All of a sudden he started picking up, picking up, and by the time he jumped the last, he flew up the running, and um, he he pulled off an unlikely victory. Only a horse like him or a horse of his ability could have done that. Um, and Henry quite happy to roll the dice on just his second start of the fences, bring him over here, see what he's got, and probably work out whether he is a, an RSA horse or maybe something like the National Trace further down the line. But I do see this fella being a Gold Cup horse in the years to come. I think he's the next Manila Indo striker Plutard. Um, he's he built like them, he gallops like them, he jumps like them, and I'd be surprised if he didn't win on Saturday because I, I think I think he's just got the most natural talent and that's saying something because Alo Ahoy Senior beat Brave Man's Game Ashtown Lad's now back number we know Flash Colon's a, he's a decent horse but mm. uh, yeah for my reckoning Mr Incredible could be one of Henry de Bramer's best best horses coming through Roy you agree don't you? I, yeah I agree with everything that was said he was um, um, he was badly hampered as well by an early faller in that race. Yeah, uh, which again, out, and, and the loose horses, out, the loose horses made it very hard to come from off the pace as well. They probably helped the leaders in that contest. So, and he had to come up the inside as well. And it's usually an advantage to, to stick near the rail at, um, uh, at Nace. It's everything, everything that could have gone wrong really did go wrong. It was an absolutely, uh, you know, amazing win. You have to watch, you just have to watch the race really. Whatever you, whatever you think of what Andy said about this horse last year, just watch his, his um, chase debut success. It's, it's it's bonkers to think that he ever does win that race, but the fact that he does, it's not because they went hard in front and stopped. They actually they went to sort of a a, a married man's gallop there. It, it wasn't set up for him at all, so it was remarkable that he won that. And I can't disagree with a single word that, that Andy said. You know, I, I love you know I'm a massive fan of Henry de Bromhead's horses. I've I've rarely seen uh, a, a, a novice chaser of Henry de Bromhead's I didn't like, um, but this this one looks um, looks very good, and I think he should be. I think he, he he should be clear favourite for this. Ahoy Senor has just been a little. Uh, I'm not I'm not against him, but but you know he was entitled. He was allowed to sort of bowl along at uh, at Carlisle on his, his chase debut. It wasn't really his fault that he that he came down either. Um, at the the second last wasn't it? Um, but he was beaten at the time, um, and he he didn't achieve as much there as. Um, uh, as Mr. Incredible did on his his debut. I know his his entry win was very impressive, but I've I've learned to be wary of horses who who arrive on the scene at entry and impress. Um, so clearly he's got a lot of a lot of potential, a hoy senor. But I I think um, Mr. Incredible should be a, a a shade of odds on here, and he might end up that way. Very very quickly as well, George. Um, mm. For those that do like an anti-post punt, um, you can actually back this horse at thirty three to one currently. For both the RSA and the and, and the National Hunt Chase, so I'm just putting that out there now for those that probably didn't want to take a short price, but like an invested interest in a horse like this for the rest of the season. Because um, if he does win this race on Saturday, then quite clearly those odds aren't going to be available um, come sort of yeah. 12:45. 
interesting antipostand angle there for Mr. Incredible, the pick of both the guys in the uh, 12.40. Uh, we'll move on to the 1.15, um, the handicap chase over two miles six, where Kaluki, Killer, uh, Killer Clown, Cap Course and Dame to Campania are all the six to uh, six to one joint favourites. Corto the King eight to one, uh, Sompto and Grand Sancy both ten to one. Of all the gin joints, twelve to one. The top of the Cotswolds sixteen to one bar. Um, a fair few here, Rory. I'm guessing on the shortlist uh, going into into Saturday. Yeah, the interesting thing to point out about this race, which is is, is always the case, and you, if you're reasonably new to it, you might find it strange. The JP horses all run in black with uh, gold cross belts. Um, those were Sir Peter O'Sullivan's colours and he bequeathed them to JP. Um, so JP uses them essentially just for this race. Um, so all his horses carry, carry those colours rather than his usual um, green and gold. Um, but the weird thing about this, JP always has a few in this race and everyone is convinced that he's laid one out for it every year. I don't think he ever does. I think there's always something that ends up getting gambled because people think, well, JP is running in, in the Sir Peter O'Sullivan. It's running in Sir Peter's colours. So there must be some kind of plan. I don't think there is. I think he just likes supporting the race. Mm. And there's been a few sort of fake gambles on, on his horses who've run moderately in the race before. I'm not saying it's not it's it's impossible for him to win the race. And I think he'd quite like to win the race. But um, so far, following that policy hasn't been hugely successful. Um, the the more I looked at this, the more I thought that, that um, Kaluki was impossible to kick out of the frame. He's not a horse I'm, I'm massively fond of, I have to say, but he is at his best um, uh, reasonably fresh, as he's shown before. Um, he likes, um, he doesn't want the ground too soft, and he likes Newbury. So catching him first time at Newbury on goodish ground is ideal for him. He's a course and distance winner as well. He, he, um, he won his novice chase here um, over course and distance last season, and then he ran, um, ran pretty well. Um, in the John Frankham at this meeting last year, he was just he just wasn't quite good enough. He um uh, he was behind Nick's destination that day, but he ran he ran perfectly respectably, um and he came back to form when runner up at the track um, on his final start in March. So he's off the same mark again. Um, I'm not sure there's an awful lot of improvement in Kaluki, but I think he's guaranteed to be at his best here, and that's good enough to see him hit the frame at the very least. Um, uh, time, time for him still give him a P so they, they, they have hope that he's going to progress again and he's younger than most in the race so there is scope for, for improvement I'm not convinced there's much there's much more progress in him but I'm pretty certain that he's going to run his race um, and with conditions in his favour he looks very solid each way material Kaluki 6-1 to one there for Rory uh, we're going to have to rattle through these races Andy over to you yeah I mean save um me waffling too too much. I think Rory's covered everything. I'd I'd probably go along with as well with Kaluki. Um, I, I backed him a few times last season. I was actually disappointed at the time he didn't beat Next Destination because the time figure that he achieved first time out over this uh, course was was very good on on good ground. Um, he needs he needs a flat left handed track just plain and simply because he just jumps to his left. Um, but so yeah, he's a good operator around here, and and I think Rory's at the nail on the head. Right, onwards then to the 150. As I say, Kaluki six to one best price at the moment. On to the 150 though, the um, yeah the next handicap hurdle where we've got uh, Lakel's Arcade is the four to one favourite ahead of Masters Legacy at six to one. Calva Dodge is thirteen to two. Glory and Fortune eight to one. Chitabello seventeen to two. Out of the Cotswolds nine to one. Fourteen to one bar. Eleven runners at the moment. Andy, uh, how do you see this one going? Um, I think the interesting runner here is Lakel's article. Um, I think they just chalked, chalked up at 
six, seven to one when the betting opened up this morning when I was looking at it, and I think it's gone down quite considerably since. since. Um, he looked all over the winner, didn't he, Sandown, on his, on his last start last season. And then he just cut out. Um, he, he went to his left, he hung to his left a little bit. I just don't think Sandown really suited in that glue pot winter ground that is often associated with the Asia track. Uh, look, he got beat by a decent horse anyway. Arby's legend, you know, he's no mug. But um, I, I think he was just a bit of a shell of a horse last year looking at him, a little bit wiry and perhaps just taking the time to, to fill into his frame. And the fact that Nicky's just left him off, he thought, right, okay, you know, let's give him some time. Um, mm. we'll, we'll protect his mark for next year and bring him back. And, you know, Nicky's always got a plan here. And, and this this is a meeting when he often unleashes a few little sneaky dark ones. And I think off a mark of 125, if there's any horse capable of improving upon what he's already achieved. I think it's him. Um, if there was a genuine softer ground than what they're likely to get Saturday, I'd have a more than half a healthy look at Black Mischief. Very, very impressed with the way he won down in Newton Abbott last time out. He tanked his way through that race. Yes, he beat sort of summer stroke autumn horses. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd take that on board, but he has got some good form against some good horses back in the day. And I still think he's not badly handicapped on the pick of his old former for Mark of 139. Um, but I think he probably wants to slightly soften what he's, as I said, that it might be on Saturday, although there is rain forecast. So, like I say, just keep an open mind with that. Um, but as it stands at the moment, that would have been my pecking order. Macau's article, stroke, black mischief if it rained. Macau's article, 4-1, to one, black mischief, 14-1. to one. Uh, not, a, not a great deal of rain forecast at the moment, I've had to say. Friday, I think, isn't it, Rory? I think there's supposed really? to be back scattered bands coming coming down. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much the, they could do with a little bit. Uh, we'll see what they end up getting tomorrow. It doesn't look doesn't look like a huge amount. More up north, Newcastle are expecting plenty. Mm. Um, so we'll see if uh, if uh, Newbury gets it. But there hasn't been much around uh, my neck of the woods, which isn't too far away. Um, long, long Rory, John, how do you see this one? Order of the day, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a terribly strong opinion. I think Andy's right that the Cal's article is the most interesting horse in the race. The question with him is whether he's. I suspect that Nicky's going to be very bullish about his chances, um, and he's going to be he's going to be well backed uh, accordingly. His best run last season on paper was was that debut, <clears throat> and the horse he beat easily by seven lengths. Rest and be thankful. Is rated one two five now, so the Cal's article is clearly well treated off one two five himself. If he can build on that, he traded long odds on. At Warwick and in Sandown and got beat, but as Andy might be right that he's just he was just a little bit weak and and couldn't um, uh, couldn't finish his races as well as he travelled in them. Whereas um, given a fair break and brought back this season, he should be. He's, he's seven now. It's not like he's um, he's a youngster. Um, but often horses who don't make the race course until they're until they're you know on the verge of their seventh birthday, it's a sign that they're that they're weak and have taken time to come to themselves. So he he's more likely than most to to have developed. Um, for that break. So he's the most interesting horse in the race, but whether he's value come race time, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but there aren't, yeah, there aren't that many who, there's certainly, there are very few in this race who you could call ahead of their mark. There might be more to come from Calva Doge uh, for Paul Nichols, who's, who's a winner in similar grounds here. And um, I thought it was quite impressive at, um, at Kempton last time. I might, although worth pointing out, that was a pretense qualifier. So you might you might have your own views on how, um, how um, competitive that was. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll move on then to the uh, 2.25, which is another small but quality field um, in the uh, handicap hurdle where we've got Soaring Glory as the 11-10 to 10 favourite ahead of Gower Road at 7-2, to 2, Captain Morgs at 9-2 to 2, and one more for the road at 11-2, to 2. Andy. Yeah, I quite like this race. Um, funny enough, I've, I've actually put two of these horses up so far this season and made them my nap and they're both won, so... 
and I'm actually going to go. I'm actually going to go against them, which which seems a little bit double dutch or against. Sign of a sign of a shrewdy that I think knowing yeah, knowing I, when to get in and get out. I, I was really really impressed with the way that Gowell Road hit the line at um, Cheltenham the other day. He absolutely charged up the hill, and, and I do know that the Skelton team were, were literally flabbergasted that their horse got beat. There was there was so much money. There was mountains of money for their horse that day as well. Um, I can't remember its name. It was a grey horse. Um, uh, unexpected, unexpected party. That's it. Unexpected party. Yeah. I just think it's very strong form because he'd won very easily at Weatherby. He'd also come out of a good race at Banger behind Fruit and Nut, and the um, the third horse Mackleduff had won very easily at Aintree. Yeah, and he pulled well clear of those two, and then if you break down his sectionals and three out to the line as well, he was by far and away the quickest hurdler on that card that day. So he still maintains a healthy amount of speed, even though he won over two mile five. And don't worry about him round this track either, because he's I think he's two for three round here. Um, two of them I think have come over the course and distance, so he's got plenty of boot. He, he's got <laughs> he's got a target to aim at with one more uh, for the road. I imagine that go off in front. Uh, and then if it becomes a, a test of which horse quickens and sees it out from three out to the line here at Newbury, allied to his stamina and his speed, and now he's a little bit better a jumper as well than he used to be in the past. I think Galrod allowed the legs for this lot. Um, Captain Morgs heaved himself across the line to win the other day. I kind of like got in, got, got in and got out with him. Um, and Soaring Glory... I do like Soaring Glow. I think he's a class act, but I don't know. There's something about that race of the day, Ascot, on the figures that doesn't really quite stack up. That The race hasn't worked out really well. Horses that are further down on, the, on that card ran, ran quicker than him on the, on the circuit time. So I don't think he was doing anything flashing the finish that day. Um, so, yeah, Gal Road, really strong choice for me. I, I just think he'll, he'll have the speed to run away from him in the straight. Gal Road, 7-2 there for Andy, a strong one. Rory, do you agree? Well, I... I largely agree with Andy, but I but I end up coming to a different conclusion. I um I like him. I like Gowell Road and I like Soaring Glory both as horses. I like Gowell Road a lot last year, but I did not have him down as a two miler. And I don't. If you watch his wins over two miles here, he has to pull them out of the fire both times. He's gone off at five to two and seven to two for those races on contrasting ground. He's traded much much bigger in running, and he's only you know he's looked like he needed an extra half mile both times but has managed to grind it out so i don't really have him have him as a, a horse with the speed to cope with with um dropping by to two miles in a better race uh, i think he definitely improved the step up to two mile five at cheltenham yes you know the way the race was run he's been able to use you know he's, he's been able to, to show plenty of boots coming home um because he was better placed than most he's certainly better placed than the runner-up but he was also i thought he was valued for that anyway but the trip was definitely part of that. Um, and I would worry about him coming back to two miles on, on quickish ground. It's an obvious race for him, obviously, because um, Nigel Twiston Davis doesn't like sitting on his laurels. But Soaring Glory, I don't think, stays beyond um, two miles. Um, and he definitely wants this ground. Um, I was impressed with him uh, physically at Ascot uh, as much as anything. Andy's right to say the form has has not worked out brilliantly. Um, but I thought the ground was as soft as he would have wanted at Ascot. He was beaten in the Kennel Hill, sorry, the Kennel Gate um, uh, novice at Ascot last year on similar ground, not seeming to handle the cut. I know it wasn't deep at Ascot, um, but it was softer than I think it will be at Newbury. 
Um, and to me, he seemed to develop a lot from from the horse I saw. Even you know, winning the the Betfair Hurdle, he looked um, he looked a horse who who needed to grow into his frame a little bit. And just seeing him in the flesh uh, at Ascot last time, I, I thought he he'd grown up into a proper horse. And that's what I'm judging him on, rather than the fact that he seemed to show massively improved form. I thought he won with plenty in hand last time, um, but essentially it was is the fact that he seems to have. Um, physically developed into, into the horse that he promised to be last season. He, he, you know, it took him a while to put things together. Again, he was weak and he looked good, but he he didn't really didn't have the strength of his frame. So he fell at Weatherby, for example, when he was long odds on. Um, you know, when when he didn't even make much of a mistake either. Um, and then you know he needed a bit of a break before he came back and showed that form on better ground at Newbury. Um, and I'm more than happy to judge him on that. I don't know. They stuck him in cheek pieces in the Supreme, and I thought it was the wrong race for him or the wrong, you know, the wrong tack to put headgear on him. Don't think he needs that. But um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm happy to um, to stick with him based on the on the form that he showed. And I've made him a banker in my time to follow. So if he gets beaten here, I'm going to be crying into my beard for, for several months. <laughs> Saw him glory 11 to 10 to save Rory crying into his beer and ruining a, a precious beer uh, 11 to 10 at the moment. So we're going to get now to the feature race of the weekend of the podcast, the Labrooks Trophy. But before we do, I was lucky enough as ever to have a chat with 888 Sport Ambassador and somebody who knows a thing or two about this race, having won it back to back a few years ago, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. It's that time of the week where I'm delighted to be joined by 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty to look back at last weekend's racing and look ahead at what we're covering on this preview as well. Barry, how are you doing? Very good to, to speak to you today. Yeah, great, Charles. Good to speak to you. Um, some great action last weekend and lots to look forward to. It's that amazing time of the year where every weekend's racing is just box office um, with some of our, our old favourites uh, coming back onto the race course and some new exciting talent emerging as well. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of those that we saw last weekend. I think we have to start with the winner of the Betfair chase in Aplutard, who stole the weekend show, I think, with an absolutely scintillating victory. I mean, w- what did you make of that uh, incredible performance? It was a brilliant performance and you'd have to be taken by it. Um, but you could say the race did fall apart. That's not taking anything away from the winner. Um, Bristol and May didn't turn up. Uh, Imperial Aura fell down the back straight. He beat um, Venetia's horse, Royal Pagayle, 22 lengths, but beat him 47 lengths in the Gold Cup. So I can't say it's an improvement on what he showed in March, but it was brilliant to see. You know, it was a brilliant performance. You'd have to be taken by it um, to make him favourite for the Gold Cup on the back of that. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge but for everything between here and there. So great performance, brilliant to see, but um, you'd question the strength of the opposition. You can see there, me, the amateur, getting completely taken by the visuals of, of, of performance and Barry, the professional, there saying, actually, hold on, uh, maybe it wasn't quite as, as impressive as, as a look to the naked eye. And what about Bob Ollinger's first showing over fences? Um, you know, wasn't the cleanest over the third last, but generally a pretty good performance. Uh, go first time, going chasing. I thought he was good. Um, he travelled really well, which you'd expect. And I thought he jumped nicely. He will improve for the experience but the third last in Goran is a very tricky fence um, mm. you have a downhill run into the stretch and uh, there was three of them in line you would not know unless you're in that situation the speed you're going down into the turn then you have a flat run to the third last a lot of speed involved a lot of horses get on their head Ashley Bob did get in his head worse than Bob Ollinger did and paid the price so you would get a lot of fallers but that mistake that Bob Ollinger made there that will stand to him 
because he will be more reassured on landing in the future for that. He jumped the second last really well. And for me, he just didn't concentrate at the last. Um, there is a stand that overlooks the last fence in Goran. Um, and it takes a lot of, it can distract the horse, especially a novice. And I take, I'd say he just wasn't given the fence full concentration to measure a stride because it was the only really untidy jump that he made for the whole, whole of the race. So I'd forgive him that. And you'd actually see the same thing with uh, the ploy to getaway in the maiden hurdle. For me, that last, the stand overlooks the last and just takes horse's eye off. And I think it costs the play to get away the maiden. And um, so I forgive him. I was very happy with him. And um, But where he goes from here, I'm not sure. Because if Limerick is very heavy at Christmas, he might want to go down there for the two and a half. I can't imagine he's going to drop back to two then um, in Leopards. So where the ground could be a bit good for him as well. So where they go next, it's hard to say. But I thought it was a good performance. You've questioned what Aplutard beat. Uh, what did you make of the horses that ran in behind Bob Ollinger? Yeah, no, I think it was good. Um, I'd say um, Ashton Bob fell at the third last. Um, he was running a good race. The horse that caught me eye was probably the horse that did step into third was Master McShea. Um, was progressive last year from the small yard, Paddy, Paddy Klusky. Um, and Ian Power rides him. He was a very capable rider. Um, first run over two and a half. I thought he jumped big and novice early on, but got very professional and jumped really well in the second half. Um, I'd say he's a horse worth following. This was a step up and trip for him, which he seemed very comfortable at. Um, and I'd say he's a horse who can progress further. Yeah, interesting. Um, there was one race over at Ascot as well, which I'm sure you're paying close attention to. Uh, in terms of Deffy de Soy's return. There's market support for Deffy, uh, Barry, but sadly, it didn't go to plan on the track. What, what do you make of Deffy's future now after after that reappearance? Yeah, he ran well for a long way. Um, I would have expected him to get tired because he generally would need his first run, and especially with the gallop that went. It was an end-to-end -end gallop, so he was always probably going to be found out, but he did get very tired. I haven't got to speak to anyone since, um, hopefully he's okay but it could be just a case of that I know there's been a question mark over him for the last season or so because Philip's horse have been out of form but it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here if he comes back in the relative short term um, you know I, I, I'd still hold plenty of faith in him but I thought the winner was good lost in translation um, another horse who's on a bit of a comeback mission as well he was third in the Gold Cup only beaten a length and a half two seasons ago um, but I thought coming back to 2-5 around Ascot on reasonable ground against two and a half milers, if you like. Now, he's good novice form over the middle distance, but he looked like Arsu was on the stretch a little bit throughout, but his class toll later on. Um, and I thought it was a good stepping stone towards the King George, and he, he could be a little bit of value there at about 16s. Yeah, lost in translation, best price, 16 to 1 for the King George, as Barry says there. Uh, we need to timestamp this for those who are watching or listening uh, on Thursday evening or, or Friday or Saturday. Barry and I both pretty busy this week, so we're chatting on, on Wednesday, more, which means we come to the Labrix Trophy uh, and the races we're going to speak about, Ferry House as well. We're not entirely sure of the, the final fields, but we have a fair idea because obviously the quality of the racing is very, very good, and especially for the Labrix Trophy, we know that those at the top end of the market are certainly all being well will turn up where on the ropes, Enrillo, Eclat de Rear, Fiddler on the Roof, not much to pick between them in terms of the prices, Barry. Who, who are you looking out for? Who do you think holds all the aces going into the Labrick's Trophy? Yeah, it's a tricky race. On the ropes um, was beaten four times over fences a few seasons ago. Then he came back, he was second to Monkfish on his only run last season, which was a great run in, in a good race. And then he didn't run until the Munster National 
where you could question the strength of the form of that beaten away by the sea. Um, so I'm not fully convinced on him. Um, and Relo is a horse who I think has a chance. He shouldn't have lost the race in Sandown. He was the best horse on the day. Um, but it was a competitive handicap. He, it was a hard-fought victory if he was to have won it. So he has a chance. Fiddle on the roof is a horse I'd have a question mark about at the top level. I think he's a he's a good horse in lesser company. Um, Clap the rear is a horse I like, but there's probably a question mark with the ground. There is rain mm-hmm. forecast on Friday and Saturday. So that will help his chances. But there's a horse down the way who is about 12 to 1 or so, maybe. Remastered is a horse I like. I loved him last season. Uh, he won the Reynolds Town. It was a good performance. And for me, he disappointed then behind Galvin in the, the old four-miler. Um, but that race would have come soon enough on the back of the Reynolds Town. There's only about three weeks between the two. And there's a three-mile chase three weeks before Cheltenham going into a three-and-a-half-mile chase at Cheltenham. It's not the ideal prep. and it's, it's a difficult one to bounce back from. So he would look to me like a horse who's been trained for this day. He'd run over hurdles last time um, and he'd say he goes here fresh. It suits the progressive novice from last season. I just like his style of race and he jumps really well. He seems a real solid performer and I thought he could be a little bit of value. Yeah, we mastered best price 14 to 1 for David Pipe at the moment there for the Ladbrokes Trophy. Over to Fairy House on uh, Sunday and the Hatton's Grace hurdle sees Honeysuckle's return, the unbeaten Honeysuckle, four to seven. She is to continue that streak, but a couple of quality horses in behind again. We don't know for sure who runs, but Classical Dream and Saldi are the two entered at the moment. Barry, can you see any way that Honeysuckle's, um, <laughs> the crown slips here? I don't think so. Um, she only just held on last year from Ronald Pump, but I know Henry, I was standing behind Henry Inferius on the day and he was kicking himself that he didn't have her fitter. So I don't think he's going to make that mistake this time. Um, for me, Honeysuckle improved no end through the season. She got so professional. At Cheltenham, she was brilliant. She was absolute dynamite. Saldia has 15 lengths to find on her in the champion hurdle. He has raised fitness under his belt with Tipperary and Galway wins, but... Um, has he got the class? I don't think so. Classical Dream is a horse we haven't seen much of. Very impressive in Punchestown over three miles. You know, and, and he has a chance. He's the only one for me who has the potential to trouble her. But I think a fit Honeysuckle, there will be no trouble in her. No troubling Honeysuckle. A couple of, a couple of other races on the card, just to preview quickly, the Royal Bond and the Drinmore, uh, the Novice Hurdle and the Novice Chase over at Ferry House. Who do you fancy in these two? Yeah, two tricky races, um, both competitive. I thought the Royal Bond, Mr. My, my mate Mosey, who's favourite, he was very impressive in punches to him going right-handed, but not so good in Navin going left-handed, albeit he still won. He's the favourite and obviously has to be respected. Two from the Garden Elliott yard, Mighty Potter, very impressive in Down Royal, but didn't beat much. And Three Stripes Life, who was fourth in the Cheltenham bumper. That's the strongest level of form for me. And I think with a, with a fast run race here with my mate Mosey setting the pace, I think that's going to suit Three Stripes Life. So I just go at him marginally over the other two, but I think there isn't much in it. Um, as regards the Drinmore, similar thing, competitive race, while Gavin Nacko is favourite, but I question the quality of the field he beat the last time. Um, for me, I would like... Um, latest uh, ambition last ambition he's called sorry Jesse's lifetime runner. ambition lifetime ambition sorry very impressive down Royal beat Beacon Edge who to me would look like he wants further um, but it's a lifetime ambition a big step up from what he's done over hurdles but he jumps so well looks like a real progressive type he'd Vanillier back in third who won since then I would imagine he improved a lot from that run but lifetime ambition just looked like the horse to me maybe there was a lot of potential 
lifetime ambition five to two as it stands for the Drinmore and um, yeah, three stripe life, 130 there in the Royal Bond. Uh, thank you very much to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty as ever for joining us on the Odds Checker betting show. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. Cheers, Charles. Thank you. Yeah, great as ever to be joined by Barry. Thank you very much to him for taking the time to have a chat. But let's get into the the Labrooks Trophy now. And on the ropes is the nine to two favourite ahead of Eclat de Rea out five to one. Fiddler on the roof six to one, and Rillo six to one. Kitty's Light twelve to one. Cloth Cap twelve to one. Potterman fourteens. Uh, De Machine fourteen. Sixteens. Copperhead and Remastered twenty five to one. Bar. Andy will come to you first. A couple of firms offering seven places at the moment. I'm sure that'll uh, that'll go even further in the coming, uh, well, in the next 24 hours or so. But we'll see. But how do you see this? It's uh, it's pretty open at the top end of the market. Yeah, it it looks a classy renewal, doesn't it? Um, Wide open as well at that. Um, Anti-post markets dominated by the Irish trained horses on the ropes and and, um, Eclat de Ria for for obvious reasons, really, on the ropes. Going into his run last time out at Limerick, looked a potentially well-handicapped horse based on his run behind Monkfish uh, last season. Uh, I think they had him in the Kerry National, but he he didn't make the gig, so they they went to the Munster National, and he made mincemeat of his opposition that day. Um, He clocked a very good time figure, and he won with quite a bit in hand. Um, Obviously, a handicapper has done his best to try and um, adjust his sums and and, and make it a a little bit more... um, of 11 playing field and he's given him one five three, um which you know we, we don't know whether that's good or bad um because we just haven't enough mm-hmm. evidence of him really i suppose but he has got the potential to be um pretty useful throughout his career i, I see him as i see him more as a, as a national hunt chase horse further down further down the line this season i think he'll get f- further he, he looks a horse that's got plenty of stamina so this trip shouldn't be a problem. He jumps well. Um, all in all, I think he's probably done balance the right favourite from a yard that has won this before. But, you know, you'd have to have a healthy respect for Eklat de Rio. I know Rory quite likes him. Um, I mean, the, the way a Plutard won last week, you'd be, you'd be mad to disregard any Henry de Bromhead horse in any chase over this side of the RSC because they're just, mm. they're, they're trained to the minute. They jump well. They're just hardy. They battle. They, you know, they, they, they've got class. Um it's very often, very rare you see a De Bromhead horse, a chaser, laid out for a race that comes over here and runs a stinker. You know, you put the kettle on, you size in Europe, down the year. That they're just time and time again keep coming back and back. And um, you know, you need to remind yourself of what a brilliant trainer Henry De Bromhead is. Um, so there'll be a lot of confidence behind him with 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 Rachel Blackmore on. And that's not to say in real life isn't with the squeak. Um, he um, he obviously. He's also been targeted for this race. He, he's quite a, a a brittle horse in some respects um, that he has to probably be uh, minded throughout a season. But you know he likes this track. He's he's a, he's a smooth traveller. He's a good jumper, and um, I, th- I think we we haven't quite got to his potential either. One at a big price as well, the Hollow Ginge. I'll just throw him into the equation because he likes Newbury, and the time figure that race that he ran in at Cheltenham was quite a good one for the grade, but I do think he'd probably have to step up to win it. But I could certainly see with six or seven places, you're suggesting there, George, him running into a, a, a place to the price because he likes good ground. And, and you often find horses like that from a stable like that often do run above their odds or above their station. Um, I've, I've had a few quid on, on the ropes. 
Um, again, anti-post. I don't think I'll touch him on the day again. I don't, I've got no need to back him again because I think he's, along with Eckhart Daria, is the, the one with the most potential. Um, but yeah, I think the value has been sucked out of the front end of the market now. So if you're having a bet now, who would it be? Uh, I'd probably go hollow. If you gave me another free bet now, yeah. as I said, I, th- I think 33 to 1, 6, 7 places, the hollow ginger at a big price. 33 to 1, best price at the moment. Currently, five places, best price for the 33s. We can get 28 to 1, seven places, uh, which could be the way to go. Uh, Rory? Yeah, I was crunching the numbers on this today, and I'm, I, I'm not a massive fan of the whole of James as a horse, but he kept, I, however, I sort of diced the numbers and looked at the historic form. He kept coming in there um, as being, you know, uh, as having a decent chance. And he's always, he's always um, struck me as a very error prone. Uh, and you know, rather clumsy and a bit of a plotter. But actually, the more you look through his form, the more you, you realise that he's a better horse when he's he jumps better on good ground. Mm. Um, he looks like he needs you know every yard of four miles sometimes. Um, it's largely because out of soft ground he tends to jump poorly, uh, and you've got that really poor completion record all told. But look at his look at his his record. Well, he was fourth in this race last year, for example, yeah. at fifties. Um, and he's at least as good as he was then because he comes in here on a on a uh, probably a career best. I mean, he looked like he was going to win everywhere by the line against definite plan um, at Cheltenham last month. So yeah, he's 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 definitely overpriced at thirty three. He's not he's not a particularly sexy horse. He's been there before, and we know what his record's about. But Nigel Twiston Davis, there are few yards in better form than him at this stage, um, and he's he'd spent quite a long time, you know, not. Not hitting the mark as often as you would you'd expect, but in the last few weeks, Nigel Nigel's horses have been running really well. So yeah, he was the outside that ended up com- coming down on as well today. Um, but I won't see Andy's thunder by by uh, putting him up as a selection. But yeah, um, he, sorry it, about it that. Surprised Rory. me that <laughs> you got to keep coming back to the numbers, and the numbers the numbers yeah. kept suggesting that he was he was a bet here. Um, I agree with Andy that the market leaders are are plenty short enough now. You might end up finding that that those at the head of the of the market drift on the day. Because they're they're in they're in short prices based on anti-post markets that are largely weak, and there's going to be a lot more money around in the day. I'm not a big fan of on the ropes, I have to say, but as Andy says, he's lightly raced and he could easily be progressing. The form of that monster national is ordinary. Um, the the two horses um, who chased him home, who come out and run since, have finished last and pulled up. Um, uh, so this is nothing to do with betting, really, but. Um, there was a chance that he was going to go in here. Uh, Sean O'Keefe, who's, who rides him, was listed as claiming three pounds here um, because the authorities, whether it was Weatherby's or the BHA, um, had miscalculated his claim. So he was due to ride with a three pound claim. If that hadn't been picked up today, he'd have been disqualified. So because it's not, you know, it's it's the jockey's responsibility to point out. So if he'd actually turned up with a three pound claim and weighed out with that weight, um, there would have been an objection against them. Um, so it's, mm. it's bizarre that that can happen in this day and age, but there you go. Yeah. Um, in terms of my selection, as I said, I've I've always I've always liked to clatter rear. Um, the question with him is whether the grind is going to be um, too quick for him because most of his forms on heavy grind. But the positive with him is that he was running to me the race of his life um, in the uh, the Brown Advisory at Cheltenham in March on the quickest grind he's encountered. He was traveling well. He was jumping well. Um, I thought he was going better than Monkfish at the time when he unseated Rachel. Now, that was a fair way from home. 
Um, the thing I quite liked about him after that was he actually stayed competitive in the race and he kept he he, he didn't um he didn't peel off and go for the exit off the home turn. He actually stayed with Monkfish and jumped alongside him um and um went on to to win the race without his his rider on board. Now I'm not wouldn't make any judgments on that based on on the weight he wasn't carrying. But I liked his attitude. I like the fact that he he wanted to be competitive. That's a good sign in a horse like this. Uh, and I'd hope he would handle the ground. Um, as I said, he seemed to be handling it perfectly while at Cheltenham was just on the soft side of good. Should be similar here. Um, and he's, you know, he's potentially a grade one horse on what he showed last season. Uh, grade three winner uh, as a novice at Nace last season. And as I said, he looked perfectly at home in that, um, that uh, Brown advisory. Uh, and he comes here on the back of a win at Wexford as well, which I think this is was that the same race that um, uh, the yard won last season with Manila Indo. So yeah, it's, a, thing, it's yeah. a well-trodden path. So I think he, I think he deserves to be favourite. But at the same time, you'd like him a lot more on softish ground. Um, as I said, I think he'd probably get away with it, but that, that's an unknown. Um, and it's a you can make a case for for most of the field. I think the other one that I quite like in there is De Machine. Um, who missed Cheltenham last season was second to remastered in the um, uh, the Reynolds Town at Ascot. Um, he he showed he was perfectly happy in a big field when winning on his chase debut. It talks it was an 18 runner novice's handicap chase, uh, and he travelled and jumped really well. Uh, the one thing you always you don't always know about novices taking in races like this or second season chasers is how they'll cope with a big field handicap. But he coped with it very well there, as he did at Ascot in his next start. Both of those races coming on good to soft ground. Um, he was beaten here over a, over a shorter trip than this um, on his penultimate start, and I thought he ran perfectly well when he was second to Remastered, who got the run of the race from the from the front on soft ground. He'll be perfectly happy on this ground. He'll be perfectly happy in the field. And Kerry Lee has taken him here rather than going for the rehearsal chase at Newcastle. So I think he takes plenty of boxes, and he's probably at the prices um, the most solid selection. But I think. It's worth pointing out that the prices in this market could change a fair bit between now and Saturday yeah. because they've been predicated on a, an anti-post market and that can change quite a lot. Well, we can only go off what we've got at the moment and De Machine's course, yeah. best price, 14 to 1 as it is. Um, but those at the top end of the market, as Rory says, might drift out a cloud to rear. 5 to 1 best price, positive mention there. Uh, a horse that Rory likes a lot, as we know. But we're going to hop over the Irish Sea to Ferry House for three races on Sunday, and we're going to start with the Royal Bond Novice Hurdle. Now, these are before decks. We're recording this at five o'clock on Thursday. This is going to age pretty quickly, but we've got my mate Mozzie, currently six to four favourite, ahead of Mighty Potter at nine to four. Three Stripe Life, who we heard Barry earlier giving a positive mention to, is four to one. Uh, Impervious, five to one. Crowns Major, ten to one. Uh, and a few others in behind at eleven to one and bigger. Uh, Rory, how do you see this? Um, yeah, I, I don't have a, I don't have a really strong opinion on the uh, on the Royal Bond. My mate Mozzie's been very impressive uh, so far, but this will be his biggest test. Um, the ground won't be a problem. He's been winning on on good and good to soft ground, so one or two of these might like it deeper. But my mate Mozzie is perfectly happy on it, so I think he's a deserving favourite, but not a race that I want to have a, a bet in at this stage. Andy, um, yeah, I'd I'd be kind of fairly open minded about this race at the moment. Um, I like my mate, my mate Mozzie. He's a very, very slick jumper. If you go and watch him operate over hurdle, mm. he can really get from one side to another to very, very slickly. So I think that's going to stand him in good stead. Whereas three strike life is a little bit guessy here, there, and everywhere. I'd, I'd certainly take on board three strike life. Might improve for jumping the 
the proper timber hurdles because he jumped the brush hurdles the other day. And I think for this meeting, they, they're back over the timber hurdles. Um, and Impervious has really been impressing me as well of late. He, he won at Listowel and then he was very good the other day at uh, Down Raleigh. A bit of horse I put up on the pod, on my column last a couple of weeks ago called Sweet Down Lucy um, because of that time figure. And Sweet Down Lucy ran really well. She finished second. Um, so I think Impervious is probably going to be of the main players, the one underestimated the most, but has got probably the better numbers in the bag. Um, so if, if if the shape of the race stays the same and there's like eight, nine runners going to post, then I'd probably be more than having a half a look at him at sort of five to one or above. Yeah, impervious there um, is currently, yeah, five to one as it stands at the moment, but this may well cut up come Friday morning. Uh, the Dridmore, we've got uh, Lifetime Ambition, 5-1, to one, Gabby Nacko, 3-1, to one, Beacon Edge, 3-1, to one, Fury Road, 6-1, to one, Cape Gentleman, 7s, Grand Paradis, 8-1, to 10-1 uh, bar, Andy? Yeah, um, I, I like this race. Um, better than I do the Royal Bond. Um, one of the best novice chases run so far in Ireland was the race that was won by Lifetime Ambition um, on that damn Royal card. Um I think it was, I don't think it was the same day as um, all those good races. But either way, um, it was a very, very fast time figure. Uh, and the, the back-end sectionals, everything about the race was absolutely bob-on. He jumped immaculately as well from the front. He, he was pinpoint accurate all the way through. Um, just really loved the way he, he operated over his fences. And um, the third horse has already won since, Vanillier, of course, uh, who won the Albert Bartlett. So the form is absolutely rock-solid. He's definitely got the best form coming into this race, and we know he operates um, going right-handed. Good ground's not a problem. He's obviously got to take on Beacon Edge again. It might improve. And and Gabby Nako is no back number, and he won really easily uh, here last time out, uh, albeit in a, in a weaker race. But, yeah, for me, lifetime ambition. He sets a really high standard. And if he gets into the kind of rhythm he got here last time out, uh, sorry, Dan Royal last time out, he, he could be difficult to peg back. Lifetime ambition five to two for Andy uh, Rory. Yeah, and I'm li- he sets a um, he sets a, a decent standard. My my only concern about him was I thought he had a slightly awkward head carriage um, at Down Royal, and a couple of times last season over hurdles he travelled well and they didn't find off the bridle. So I just I'm just a little bit wary of that. But he looks at Down Royal, he, he just looked a, a better horse over fences, and I think. Um, Jesse Harrington was of the view that he'd be a better horse on, on better ground as well. So I respect his chances. I don't know whether Cape Gentleman's an intended runner here because he's quite a big price mm. uh, for what he's done. Right. I, um, I thought his win um, at Cork was was really good. He beat Run Wild Fred um, by 14 lengths um, at level weights. Uh, Blueberry was back in third that day. Uh, Noble Yates fourth. French Dynamite, who won next time out, was, was fifth. I thought that was really strong form. Um, he was then a bit disappointing when, when made odds on um, for a graded novice chase um, last time out back at two miles. But I think they made the mistake there of allowing Riviere de Tell to dominate. Um, and she she was getting tons of weight. She was getting um, 19 pounds, I think. Mm. Um, and she just she jumped brilliantly from the front. Um, and Cape Gentleman, he kept close to her, but he allowed her to, to dictate to him the whole way through the race. Um, and her jumping was just that little bit better than his as well. And the problem, if you're going to sit on the tail of something that's jumping better than you, um, you, you have limited opportunities to um, to make your mark there. He ended up being beaten by 21 lengths in the end, but he had a decent horse and embittered uh, well behind him. That form doesn't win this race, but um, I think he can return to the form he showed at Cork. 
um, under a he's back up and trip, but under a slightly more aggressive ride as well. Um, I think there are plenty of good races in Cape Gentleman. So if he runs here, I think seven to one is too big. The seven to one might suggest that they're not thinking of running in the race because it comes up pretty quickly um, after that Craddock's time um, novices chase. But if he does run, I'd certainly um, respect his chances, and he's better than than um, uh, that margin of defeat last time makes him look. Yeah, Cape Gentleman seven to one at the moment. We should say if you are listening to this or, or watching this on Thursday evening, um, and you bet that seven to one and Cape Gentleman doesn't line up, uh, your bet will be a loser. So be aware when it comes to anti-post betting. Uh, the last race we're going to cover the Hatton's Grace Hurdle, Honeysuckle's reappearance. Uh, four to seven, Honeysuckle is to keep her unbeaten record. Uh, Classical Dream four to one, Saldia uh, eleven to two, Abracadabra is eleven to one, Ronald Pump fourteen to one, Andy Plenty in here at the moment. We're still not entirely sure who's going to run. It's anticipated the Honeysuckle will. Um, yeah. I mean, is that four to seven value, or, or can we, you know, if, if one of Classical Dream or Saldia Abracadabra line up, can you see one of them running her close? No. Uh, if if Honeysuckle turns up in the Honeysuckle that we know, um, and she's done that. You know, a gazillion times, and you know the rest are just in trouble. Simple as that. They're just not. They're not good enough. Um, mm. Classic, classical dreams not quick enough. Um, Abracadabra has he got the resolution? Um, Ronald Pump, he probably wants further, doesn't he? He does run this track particularly well. I could certainly see him running into a place at a big price because Matthew Smith missed the season virtually with him last year, so he'd want to make up for lost time with him. And he's he's a horse I've always had a huge amount of affection for. Um, if only he would have won that stays hurdle uh, two years ago, I wouldn't be sitting here now. I'd probably, I'd probably be uh, sipping a pina colada on, on a yacht somewhere out in um, the Bahamas. Well, if, um, I, if I had a penny for every time I'd heard you say that, Andy, I would be too as well. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, they, there you go. Um, that's the game. But yeah, Honeysuckle's just yeah. an absolute champion, isn't she? Um, mm. I've tried to oppose her in the past as well. I've, I've thought there might be chinks in her armoury here, there and everywhere. She hasn't done the time figures. She hasn't done this, done that. But the last two runs last year, when she blitzed them at Leopardstown and then the champion hurdle and, and then, you know, doing it again at Punchestown, she's just awesome. I think we've just got to applaud her and just enjoy her for what she is. She, she's a fantastic race mare and um, hopefully she'll be around for, you know, years to come and we can um, extol her virtue. She's, she's just a fantastic horse and, yeah, the price is no good, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her run. Rory? Yeah, I think you've got to enjoy her for what she is. It's, it's worth pointing out, though, that um, uh, if you're thinking of lumping on her, she, she only won by half a length last year from Ronald Pump, who f- absolutely flew home from from out of the picture after the last. Um, now, she was she probably had a race one and, and hadn't got an eye on him at all. But he was, you know, give him another 50 yards, I think he might have mugged her. Um, but, you know, uh, she's clearly a better horse than him on balance of form. Um, and... As Andy says, she keeps winning top races. I think she will, looking at this earlier today, she'll equal Beulah's record of 13 consecutive wins, um, over, you know, unbeaten over hurdles. Um, all those horses who've won more consecutive races had been beaten before um, and indeed afterwards. Um, but uh, and Beulah, of course, you know, met his match eventually. Um, but he won his first 13, including two champion hurdles. Um, and this will be 13 for her if she wins it. This is where she's going to be at her most vulnerable this season, of course, because Henry knows that, that um, the most important race has come in the spring. Um, I suspect there will be a bit of personal pride involved here in, in the, uh, knowing that she is um, unblemished um, and he won't, want her, he won't want to send her out half-cooked for this. Um, yeah. But she's, I don't think she's going to be winning this by 20 lengths. I think she'll win the race. 
Um, but I think you'll probably find better two to five shots through the season with horses who, you know, who are geared up to win those specific races. Her class should win her this, um, but it might um, it might be a slightly uncomfortable um, race to watch if you've had your mortgage on. Well, we, we heard Barry a second ago say that he was behind Henry last year, who was beating himself up for not getting her fitter. So that should suggest here that he's not going to make the same mistake again uh, and take any chances with Honeysuckle's unbeaten record. Uh, in the Hatton's Grace hurdle, uh, that brings our whirlwind whistle-stop preview of the weekend's racing to a close. Thank you very much to both Rory and to Andy for their insight. Uh, please do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, and the best tipsters, some of the best tipsters uh, on the app as well, uh, straight to the app every morning of racing. Thank you very much to 888 Sport for sponsoring the podcast and to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity for sharing his thoughts as well. Please ensure you enjoy the weekend's racing, and as always, please do gamble responsibly.